Well, hey, Sanctuary, you did it. You embarrassed a big extrovert by all singing happy birthday to me. Thank you so much. I love you guys. <laughs> well, I wanted to start out with a, a picture on the screen. Uh, I was in a coffee shop the other day, and I saw this picture. It's a really confusing, overwhelming picture. Um, so I love coffee. Uh, I, I, coffee is one of my favorite drinks. But when I saw this picture, I realized how there are so many different ways to make a cup of coffee. We'll start at the top, and you, you can barely even read the words. If you can read it, then you, yeah, very good eyesight. But it starts with the different types of beans and how it's important to get identify a certain type of bean and how you can grind those beans. And then in the middle, it's all the different types of machines and, and the different milks and cream and some butter and, and hot boiling water or not boiling but hot water. And then it goes all the way down to the very bottom and, and, and you identifying the different kinds of, of coffee drinks that there are. There's a cappuccino, Americano. There's something called a New York cup, which I still, from being a, um, from the West Coast, I don't really know what that means. But there's, there's uh, latte, uh, mocha, macchiato, there's uh, flat white, red eye, green eye, black eye, purple eye, rainbow eye. There's a lot of different eyes. There's a lot of different types of coffee out there and a lot of different uh, ways how to identify coffee. And most places you can no longer uh, go to uh, go inside of a coffee shop and say, hey, I would like a cup of coffee and get away with it. Now you have to know the, the sophisticated language that's behind ordering coffee. Now today we are talking about love, L-O-V-E. And what's interesting is that the ancient Greeks uh, were just as sophisticated in the way that they talked about love. So much so that in Jesus's time, you couldn't just say the word love and get away with it. You see, there were different types of love, and there were different words that were used to explain each different type of love. On a, given, on a given day, I don't know if you're like me, but I will use the one word love to explain a ton of different things. Like I love hiking, I love cycling, I love sanctuary, uh, I love tacos a lot. Uh, great tacos today for St. Kang dinner. You missed out if you didn't eat it. And I love, I love, um, I don't love cats. I love dogs. Tatiana is getting into my head because she loves cats so much. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll find myself texting, I love you. Or I'll, be, or I'll say, like, I love my life group. I love my friends. There are different ways to say, uh, to say love nowadays. But what's interesting is how we talk about love is very, very different from how people in Jesus' time talked about love. And that's really important to know. And, and because of that, we're actually going to do some digging into the word love. Because knowing the different types of love, honestly, it can change your life. And this is true when we open the Bible and we read passages like, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. All right, so which love? Which type of love are we talking about? Now today, as you know, we're beginning a new series called Fruitology, where we're studying the different fruits of the Spirit uh, found in the Bible, and we're seeing how cultivating those fruits in our lives can radically change our lives. Now, the classic passage in Galatians on the fruits of the Spirit reads this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ 
have Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So the Bible talks actually a lot about our relationship with the Spirit. It says that we can keep in step with the Spirit. We can follow the Spirit. And in some cases, it says that we can be filled by the Spirit. Kind of like a tree is, is filled with water from, from its roots, and then out of that, it can bear good fruit. When we are filled with the Spirit, we can then bear good spiritual fruit. Sometimes you lose your spot when you're talking. <laughs> I just found it. All right. <laughs> I'm like staring down. The birthday, everyone singing the birthday uh, song to me got me a little off. And today we're talking about the most important fruit of the Spirit at all, uh, the most important fruit of the Spirit out there, and that fruit is called love. And now what's important to know about this word is that it's used to describe uh, this word love that's used to describe this fruit of the Spirit. It's also used to describe the greatest command that the entire law is fulfilled, to love your neighbor as yourself. And now knowing this word is extremely important because it defines the, the most important fruit and the most important way of living. It's the word that every good decision, every good way of living, every good thing comes from. But what is this word? And what does this word mean? Because, and because there are so many different words that, uh, for love that were popular in that culture that this passage was written in uh, back about 2,000 years ago, some were actually used directly and some indirectly in the Bible. I want to spend a little bit of time just talking about those different types of fruit, uh, different types of fruit, so that we can better understand uh, what the one word we're looking for, what it is and what it isn't. So today, we're going to go over the different fruits of the Spirit, or sorry, today we're going to go over the different uh, words of love so that we can identify what this fruit of the Spirit is. Now, the first word of love I want to talk about is eros. Named after the Greek god of fertility, eros defines sexual passion or, or, or desires. And eros is kind of what sells today. And eros isn't typically just uh, about sex. When you want to like fall in love with someone, you're desiring eros. When you're on that first date, you're waiting for someone, you know, you're on an app and then you're trying to meet at the coffee shop and you're saying, oh my gosh, am I going to have a connection with this person or not? You're desiring eros. Now, while we may or may not be familiar with eros, all of us uh, have perhaps experienced it, but it's not the word that we're talking about today. The next word that's common is ludus. Ludus is that that innocent and playful love. When friends or coworkers like, joke with each other or, or you banter with each other, or if you kind of play with someone, you sing with someone, you dance with someone, you're experiencing ludus. But while that is familiar with a lot of us, ludus isn't the word that we're talking about today. The next is philia. Philia is, is that, that deep or seemingly unconditional love. In, you experience that in friendship. When you talk about like soulmates, you're talking about philia. If you have a deep bond with someone, you have philia. If you meet someone and, you know, if you have someone uh, that you're friends with that you haven't seen for a long time, and then you finally uh, meet them, uh, and it's been a while, but you pick up right where you, catch, uh, pick up right where you left off, that is philia. And while most of us are familiar with philia, even that's not the type of love that the Bible is talking about. 
Moving along, the next is pragma. And pragma is kind of the like happily ever after of loves. Pragma is, you know, uh, the relationship that a child has with their parent over a long time. Uh, pragma is also when, when like people are married for, for a really long time. Pragma is longevity. But even pragma is not what we're talking about. The next and kind of nearing the end is storage. And I think storage, the best way that I could possibly describe storage is by showing you a picture. There it is. See that picture right there? Okay, so that is me when I was in middle school at a Valentine's Day dance. <laughs> there you go. So I just want to break down this picture just a little bit, and I want to talk about how stylish I am, okay? Seriously. Though you can kind of, it's an old picture. Uh, it was a Polaroid that I took a picture of. But you can see my pants, uh, they're, they're really baggy cargo zip off because there was going to be dancing and I didn't want to sweat too much so I can zip off into shorts. <laughs> and then you have the shirt, the white polo shirt. You can't see it, but there is puka shell necklaces under there. I know, right? And then the messy kind of hair. I wanted to look like it was messy, but it was an accident. It's super GQ. Uh, but I want to also talk about my shirt. So what you probably can't see too well is that that shirt is a reflective shirt. It's like a mirror shirt. Light literally reflected off of that shirt. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, you could tell that I was just ready for love. <laughs> but as you can see on my face, uh, middle school Michael wasn't really, really having it. <laughs> uh, it's kind of blurry, but I was a little, I mean, I was out of it. I was kind of pondering off in the distance, wondering, what is love? <laughs> Will I ever find love? And I was a little confused. And the girl next to me, she's over it. She's totally done. She's looking off to the side. Now, at this point, you might be asking, okay, what is storage? What does it mean? Well, the funny thing about this Valentine's Day picture is that it's a photo of me and my sister. <laughs> because no one would go to the dance with me. <laughs> I know, uh, but it's probably because of the shirt. I wore a, like a week or two before saying that's what I was going to wear, but she was kind enough to go with me because no one would. You see, storage is, is that uh, I'll be by your side no matter what because you're my family kind of love. And while a lot of us probably have experienced that type of love, still that's not what we're talking about. The next is filiatia. It's the love of self. And with filiatia, there's a positive and a negative part. The positive is when you do care for yourself, when you're healthy, when you say, hey, I actually matter, I'm important, that's good. But the negative side of filiatia is narcissistic. It's all about building your own empire. You know, there's a lot of studies that show today that empathy and care for people is in a decline. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's also a lot of studies that, that show and, and, and suggest that uh, about college students nowadays that they're 75% less empathetic than college students were 30 years ago. Filiatia, this, this negative part, is all about us building our own empire uh, and, and trying to do as much as we can while forgetting about the other person. I mean, we post photos to, to, to build up our own personal brand and, and show the world how great we are. I mean, we, we strive for the best job, the best car, the best house, the best spouse. And while all of these things aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves, when we continue to strive for these things, the problem is that we forget other people. We forget that other people matter, that there are other people that are hurting. 
and that need us to love them. And while most of us are familiar with this form of filiatia, it's not what we're talking about today. But the opposite is. And that love is agape. That's the word that's used in this passage, in all these passages. That's the word that's used for the fruit of the Spirit, agape. And while all of the loves that I just went over are natural to us, agape is mostly unnatural. You see, agape is best described as the love that God has for humankind. It's the love that's above all loves. And while agape was very, very rarely used outside of the Bible in the um, Greco-ancient Roman culture, it's used over 320 times in the New Testament. That's a lot. Now, first John says agape comes from God. That agape comes from God. And because of that, the best way that we can give agape to others is by first receiving agape ourselves. To, To know and believe and receive that you are loved by God. And that while agape um, might look like any other type of love, well, it's love, everything else is love, you can tell it's agape when it's selfless. That's what it's all about. Because at its root, at the very core of agape, it's about selfless giving. It's about lifting other people up going down to where they are and lifting them up out of their circumstances. That's why agape is also known as selfless love. In fact, it's where we get the word charity from. And agape love is the highest form of love. The apostle Paul wrote, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have agape, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have agape, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardships that I may boast but do not have agape, I gain nothing. Agape is patient. Agape is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered keeps no records of wrongs. Agape does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Agape is the highest, the highest form of love, and it's expressed from us when we give selflessly to others. And agape is also what what Jesus what Jesus gave to us. For God so agape the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But God demonstrates his own agape for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we couldn't earn it, when we didn't deserve it, without the slightest, slightest way that we can even possibly repay God, He died for us, and he rose again. And why? Like, why would God do that for us? Why would God do that for you? Because as 1 John also says, God is agape. That's crazy. 
God is love, and not just any kind of love. God is the highest, the absolute highest form of love. And when we want to love like God loves us, and when we want to be loved with that kind of love, we have an invitation to fill ourselves with and to follow his teachings. Psalms 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk with the, uh, walk." in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaves does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. You will bear the fruit of whatever source you fill yourself with. And we all fill ourselves with something. What do you fill yourself with? Who do you fill yourself with? Because at our core, if we're we're honest with ourselves, we all want to be filled with love. We all want to be truly loved. I remember a time uh, way, way, way back when, when I was in college, I found that I did, or after college, I found that I didn't have a place to live. Um, I moved home, and um, I loved my family. I actually just talked with all of them right before this, and we have a great relationship. But back then, it wasn't such a great relationship, and I won't really go into it. But at that time, my family was really, really struggling with what uh, loving each other looked like. And long story short, I found that I didn't have a place to live, and I just got home. I had no money, I had no job, I had no way to afford a place to live, and I was kind of abandoned, just, just, just left to, to, to just kind of figure it out. I didn't know what to do, and then soon a young couple uh, approached me, they saw the situation I was in, and they invited me to live with them. And I said, thank you so much. And I lived there for about a month and a half, but after a month and a half, They realized since they were such a young couple and they were just kind of newly married that um, it was too hard for them to have someone uh, live with them. So they asked me to, hey, we're sorry. We kind of have to ask you to leave. And I understood, but still I I was left alone again. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to turn. I felt very unloved. And then my pastor and his wife, they approached me and they said, hey, Michael, we have an extra room in our, our house. Our son is off in college, and we would love for you to, to move in with us and stay in our room. And I said, Pastor, Pastor's wife, thank you so much, but I can't pay for it. I have no money. And they said, hey, that's okay. We don't want your money. In fact, we're going to provide food for you. We're going to provide everything. You just have a place to stay. Know that you're loved. I was so thankful, and I was there for, for a couple months and then uh, something really unfortunate happened. Their, their son got diagnosed with cancer, and their son had to move back into that room uh, so that they can care for him while he had chemo. And, and I just knew that that meant that I was gone. And so the, my pastor and his wife asked me to talk with them, and they sat me down. And I was ready to hear them say, hey, Michael, we've appreciated you being here, but there's actually no room for you. I'm so sorry, but you have to leave. That was the pattern that I was hearing, so I was expecting to hear that but I heard the opposite. They said, Michael, our son's coming here, but we actually view you as family. Are you okay with sharing a room? I said, sure, of course I am. Thanks so much. 
And so I was with them, or with uh, their son in that room, and we both recovered. I mean, he defeated cancer, and we were so thankful. And I realized that, man, I guess I am capable of being loved. I didn't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. I couldn't pay them back. But I was loved. You will bear the fruit of whatever source you fill yourself with. My, my pastor and his wife, they filled themselves with God's word, with his agape love, and that poured out into everyone they met, this selflessness. Even when they saw this young, lost guy who just started attending their church, You see, I don't want this talk just to be a fun, cozy talk about love. Agape love actually changed my life. And I know it can change yours. I don't know if you're here today and you are are, are struggling with a, a lack of love. Maybe you just feel unloved. Maybe there's prayers that you're praying for and you just feel like your prayers aren't being answered. Maybe the the idea that God loves you is an idea that is the farthest idea from your mind because you're struggling. And I want to say to you, if that's you right now, we stand with you as a community. We love you. We're here for you. It's a hard place to be. And I also want to say that from my experience when I felt the most abandoned, the most um, left out, the most unloved, that's actually, when when I've been in the middle of that, that's when I found that God is actually the closest with me. There's Bible verses in the Old Testament that say God puts the lonely in family, that God is with the brokenhearted, and that is true for me, and that is true for you, and the invitation for you is to let him fill your heart, to let him change you, to let him fill you with new experiences. Now, I don't know if you know this, but today is actually Pentecost Day. This is the day that the church celebrates Pentecost. And about 2,000 years ago, the disciples and uh, Jesus' followers were in this upper room a little bit after Jesus died, rose again, and went to heaven. And they were in this room observing Pentecost. They were, were observing and celebrating when God had given God's people the law. And when they were in this upper room, they were praying, and all of a sudden, it says the Holy Spirit filled the room with his presence. And not only the room, the Holy Spirit filled each and every person with his presence. The Holy Spirit changed them. And that day was no longer not only uh, that day was not only uh, no longer celebrated as the day that God's law was given to them, but it was celebrated as the day God's spirit was given to them. On that day, agape love came in to them. And after that day, anyone who chooses to follow Jesus, agape love is in you too. We will bear the fruit of whatever source that we fill ourselves with. And when we we have that fruit, if it's agape fruit, we have an invitation to share that with others. Jesus says, a new command I give you, 
agape one another as I have agape you. So you must agape one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you agape one another. The greatest form of love was never meant for us to keep to ourselves, but to give. In the the second century, about 100 years after Jesus, uh, after the life of Jesus, there was an early Christian writer by the name of Tertullian. And Tertullian, he wrote about how the followers of Jesus received what he called a pagan notice. Uh, Tertullian wrote, what marks us in the eyes of our enemies is our loving kindness. Only look, they say, look how they love one another. And the same could be true for us today. Because the more we love others, the more the world will recognize us, not for who we are against, but for who we are for. We will bear the fruit of whatever source we fill ourselves with. So, fill yourself with God's agape love, his selfless love, and then give that agape love, give that fruit to everyone else because it's that very fruit that everyone is hungry for. Let's pray. Jesus, so interesting that there are so many different types of love. There's so many different feelings associated with love. And it's interesting that you came into the scene and you gave us a whole new love, a love that was unconditional, a love that was selfless, a love that was reckless. And you said that this love is for you. And God, I don't know where everyone's at today, but I know that there are some who just really don't feel loved right now, who really question where you're at and if you love them. God, I just pray that we have kind of an Acts 2 Pentecost moment. That during these next few worship songs, we can come to you in our honesty. We can come to you in our brokenness. We can come to you in hurt. We can come to you in joy. And that you can show us what being filled by your love looks like. And that that can radically transform who we are. God, we all need your love. We all need you. And we lay ourselves on the altar of who you are. We expose our hearts. We open any shut doors that we've been hiding our hearts behind. And we say, love us. Love us where we're at. Help us know of your love. And help us then give your love to others. In your name we pray.